Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why didn't you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode and a brand new season of Two Guys Watching Wrestling. Mike and Rich are here to take you through another exciting, action-packed, dare I say, extreme-ish a <laughs> couple weeks Dude, of yeah, don't wrestling. Say, don't, don't, say, don't say extreme, Mike. This is, uh... Extreme-ish. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's corporately extreme. Should we put it that way? <laughs> So how's it going, Mike? You uh, you ready for the, this? This is uh, this is your pick. This series is yeah. your brainchild. Yeah. So what uh, what made you think of it? Um, well, you know, we we went through the the Black Scorpion run uh, of nineteen ninety WCW, and, and uh, especially if you listen to our, I believe it was three plus hour epic season finale of that, you understand that uh, watching that kind of. Like the the whole point of this show is kind of like we're gonna go through some of the more absurd moments and storylines in professional wrestling history. Uh, but that one, like by the end of it, I was so like angry almost. Like I wouldn't say like it ruined my life, but it was like really like it just angered me because because of how I guess uh the WCW at the time wrapped up what they perceived to be a big storyline. Uh, and it just went nowhere. Uh, but I figured, all right, so let's let's take it a little step further. Uh, let's bring us a little bit more current. Um, initially, I was I was eyeballing another storyline, which we might do in the future. So I'm going to hang on to it. Um, but and it was literally it happened by uh, YouTube rabbit holes, plain and simple. <laughs> Late at night, going through YouTube. And you might like this if you watch this video. And I just, I went down and down and down. And then somehow I circled back and I caught, um, I caught one of the promos or something from, from this run of WWE ECW from 2006, the rebirth of ECW. And, uh, I was like, oh, I, I know exactly what we're doing. Cause it's six months. We can, we can knock it out in eight or nine episodes and it's perfect. It's got a nice beginning, middle, and end to this first six months of the rebirth of ECW from 2006. Now, uh, when when I proposed to you, first thoughts, Rich. So it made me, it made me think about uh, again, you know, a different part of my childhood because you know we looked at the you know elementary school days in the first series. This is me thinking about me being in high school, going to the ECW shows and, and staying up till one in the morning, our time and, and catching it on the Spanish public access channel. That's so exactly how I was introduced to it as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, as, as an, as a night owl, I was sitting there as a, I think at the time I was a teenager, it was a mid to late nineties. So I was a teenager and flipping channels and, Back then, there wasn't, you, you didn't have, like, menu guides. I know if, if anybody's under, like, 30 years old, they're going to be like, why don't you just, you know, plug in what you want or use your DVR? It's like, no, we still had VCRs, and you still had to flip channel to channel. And I, for me, it was 
in the teens because it was it was like it was there was the the basic uh, basic networks you know the NBC the ABCs the the four fives and six and sevens and then there was like the public access channels followed by like three or four Spanish language channels and those were the ones that when you're flipping channels you get to those teens you like click 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 as quick as possible because you know you're not going to stop on them well as I was click 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 and by yeah, I, I caught like a it was like a glimmer of, of wrestling and I'm like, what the fuck was that? And so I flipped back and sure enough on one of the Spanish language channels at yeah, probably between one and three AM was how I was introduced to ECW, the original ECW. I believe it was um if I'm not mistaken, it was uh Shane Douglas in the ring cutting a promo. And yeah. it was one of those things that uh Watching it, I was again like I I had a lapse in my my wrestling fandom at that point when I hit my my teenage years. Uh, it was it was one of those things where like it was the mid nineties, early to mid nineties, and, and stuff just wasn't clicking for me as a teenager. Uh, it, you know the WWF was in the new generation. Uh, is that what it's called? New generation. Yep. Yeah, when it was that like was, uh, the diesel diesel era. Yeah. With, yeah. Um, so yep, everything was yep. like clowns and cartoons and and you know as, as kevin ash has put it many times everybody had an occupation for a gimmick uh you know you had the hockey players and and the garbage men and all that stuff and it just the plumber remember tl hopper remember yeah. that one? Oh, yeah and i just I, I it wasn't clicking with me and and my tv viewing dipped out and so it was one of those things that when i when i came back to wrestling uh, I, I remember both in instances uh, for ECW was as I just explained. It was flipping around, and I again Shane Douglas was in the ring cutting one of his Shane Douglas promos, and I'm watching. I'm being like, "Is this what wrestling is now?" I mean, he's saying "fuck." I mean, they were bleeping it, but it's like he's saying "fuck" in the ring. Like they, they oh, can yeah. do that now. I'm like, "Cool, I'm I'm in." Like teenage Mike was all in on that type of stuff, and bringing myself back to WWF, I remember exactly what it was. Uh, I went to. It was a random house show uh, in Boston, and I, I want to say it, it was, it must have been 96, 97-ish, because uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels were together. I don't know if they were officially DX or if they were just still running around together at yeah. that time. Yeah, that, and, was not, that, was 90, that was 97. Yeah, and, and it was around there, and I remember I was in Boston. I was around, I believe it was the Garden. It must have been the Garden, uh, and... Me and my buddy Lou were just walking around, and we saw a bunch of people heading into the the building. So we're like, all right, what the hell? Let's see what let's see what's going on. We got nothing else to do. We're wandering around Boston, and uh, we go up to the ticket counter and like, oh, it's a WWF show. And I'm like, oh, what, what's uh, what's you know, what's balcony seats cost? And I think it was like fifteen, twenty bucks, something like that. I'm like, cool, let's 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 do it. This is how we're gonna spend our night. And they were doing the the suckets and you know and Austin, I, yeah. So it had to be ninety seven because Austin was involved and there was yeah. it was just it was the like that beginning that like pre official attitude era type shit. And I was like, again, I had that moment where I'm like, this is wrestling now because this is I'm kind of into this. You know, this is the shit. This is completely opposite from what I was into when I left wrestling back in the early nineties. Yep. And and for me, the moment is is also a Shane Douglas based moment. Mm -hmm. uh, with the uh, Halo on Pitbull 2, yep. the, f the first episode I saw was that going on, and from that second I was hooked. Um, and it's funny, we talk about both of our memories are Shane Douglas-related. That's the one thing, even with 
the the relaunch of this. I, I'm really disappointed that he wasn't really physically there. And and you know that's something we'll talk to as the episodes unfold. Right. Just unfortunately, how politics plays into something like this. Well, it's Alle- like, alleged alleged politics. Shane, you know, if you watch any interviews or you talk to anybody, Shane is not the most. Uh, agreeable person to deal with especially when it comes to wwf uh and i think that's self-admittedly too he would be the first one to tell you probably that he's you know he in the past been difficult to deal with i mean he didn't even show up to the he he basically ran a competing show for the first one night stand in 2005 you know so it was like he it was like almost defiantly like i'm not gonna take your money type of thing uh and i remember specifically only because i just happened to uh, have Mick Foley on an interview on an old podcast I did, and it was right around the time his DVD documentary came out. Um, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of it, but um, it, I remember the cover was him sitting by a fireplace reading a book type of thing, and I remember yeah, watching I'll, it. I'll, I'll, I'll Google it while you... Right. I remember watching it, and I'm sitting there watching the documentary, and much like many WWE documentaries at this point, they were doing a really good job, and and all of a sudden, there's Shane Douglas in the documentary. And it was new footage. Because I, for those of you that don't know, a quick backstory: Shane and, and Mick Foley came up together in wrestling. They, they, you know, they were buddies. They, they worked together. They traveled together. Uh, they, they were friends. And he was there in these new interviews that were recorded for the Mick Foley documentary. And I remember having Mick on the phone. Uh, I don't know if he was promoting that or promoting something else, but it doesn't really matter. And I literally said to him, I go, WWE couldn't even get Shane Douglas back for ECW, but you got him back for a DVD. And he goes, you know, all I did was ask. I didn't expect to get a yes, but all I did was send a text and he said yes to it. Um, so maybe that maybe it's one of those things. It's like the, the wrong people were the ones to reach out to him. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that was a definite um, a miss. And it's not something that I can sit here and blame Either, you know, I can't blame WWE for it because, as I said, I think Shane would be the first one to tell you, you know, he was difficult to to deal with when it came to WWE. He openly bashed the company. I mean, he was he was part of, you know, even going back to earlier than that, he was part of, quote unquote, the radicals that him, Guerrero, Benoit, Malenko and Saturn all walked out the same day. Well, four of those guys walked into WWE. One of those guys turned around and went back to WCW a week later. You know what I mean? It's like he's yeah, he's, yeah. He, he's he's burned a bridge or two, uh, and whether it's his fault or not, I I I'm not here to blame or or you know because I don't know the story. You know if if he tells it, you know people on, in the WWE side fucked him over, and if you talk to somebody else, well Shane was just difficult to deal with, and he had an attitude problem. So who the hell knows? You know it's it's a lot of he said she said, but that's that's wrestling for you. Yeah, it, wrestling that one big game of telephone. Yeah. Um, so the the name of that DVD documentary is uh, for uh, WWE for All Mankind: Life and Career. Mick Foley came out in uh, 2013, and I'll be honest, I've never seen this, so I'll definitely check it out. Because um, looking at it, I thought it was about his books and not that's really about his career, and that's why I just would skim over. It. But now that I know it's like a a documentary about, it, I'm definitely going to check it out. Good. 
See, we're, we're 20 minutes in and we already got recommendations. Well, I'm, I'm trying to stay positive. We haven't got to the actual topic of the show because we, we did five really rough episodes on, on the Black Scorpion last season. And I love him saying last season. It was fucking last week. <laughs> but on the first season of the show. <laughs> the, long, the long, long ago. Yeah, we, we had a long four or five day off season. And, uh, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm trying to stay positive. And that's kind of, you, you sent me a text because originally this first episode was going to encompass the show we're going to cover today, One Night Stand, and the very first ECW on Sci-Fi show. And then you kind of came, came with me the idea, let's just do the first show, which is WWE versus ECW head-to-head. It was a two-hour special on USA to kind of promote One Night Stand. And then we'll, we'll reminisce and we'll talk. And then next week we'll get to One Night Stand. So already, much like I said on the last week's show, we've already extended it one more episode. So we're, I think we're up to nine now. We, we'll, yeah. we'll see where it goes. I think we might get to 10 because I think we we talked a little bit about even the original one night stand from the year prior might be a bonus uh, to throw in there. But um, that would be a really positive episode. That was one. I I love that show. Oh, I love that one, too. Much more than the one we're going to do next week. Not that next week was horrible, but you could definitely see the fingernails of WWE imprinting themselves in the in the lower back. Yeah, I I think, you know, the. It's one of those things, and and, uh, the the easiest way to put it is it is what it is, you know, and and they, they, WWECW started with the best of intentions, Um, and the problems became, obviously, uh, behind the scenes, it felt like too many cooks in the kitchen, Um, and also, I just... I think I don't I don't know if you watched uh, the WWE Network put out. Uh, it was one of the first uh, untolds. It was one of the first episodes in their untold series, and uh, it was mostly about the fact that Shane McMahon wanted to buy and uh, and basically re rebrand ECW, bring re- ECW back. But the way Shane wanted to do it was going to be a .dot com uh, web only series, basically streaming. And before streaming was streaming Um, and Shane wanted to do it so they could keep the uh, because he wanted to put it online as opposed to network TV. It would have kept the the edginess, if you will. It would have kept the production, uh, the production budget down. Uh, And also it was supposed to be, uh, you know, a basically what NXT became now, where it was supposed to be a. uh, uh, a farm system, Devel- basically. De- yeah, a yeah, developmental. That was the word I was, I was searching yep. for. Yeah, a developmental system for WWE, uh, which, again, you can see the the seeds of that in places, and, and we'll get to it in the course of, of this series here, where we'll see people like CM Punk and Sheamus and, and those guys debut and stuff like that. But the bitch of it is the stuff like... <sighs> Because it was on TV, you needed, quote unquote, star power. And you had the, I mean, even just without digging into the episodes, scrolling ahead on on the network, the thumbnails tell the story of the next six months of of shows. I mean, you see DX, you see John Cena, you know, you see all these WWE faces from that time. And it's like, ah, that's, that was the problem. And then... You know, even even past what we're going to cover, because we're only covering uh, the first six months. We're covering through the end of 2006. So basically December to remember, uh, December to dismember, excuse me, 
is probably going to be around the last episode. There was like one or two TV shows after that that we might just lump into that because that show was horrible. But um, but even after that, I mean, ECW went on till for four more years, 2010. And yeah, you had the likes of I like didn't even Christian realize that. Matt Hardy. Uh, you know, those yep. guys were, were ECW champion. You know, Vince McMahon was an ECW champion. It's in the record books, as, as eye-rolly as that is. And and it does it does show what 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 just maybe like the stepchild like literally within within this time frame because even though the six months recover wasn't the best it got way worse after it uh, and it basically became a de- developmental but not not even that like it, I felt like it was it, worse it, than it, developmental well it was it it basically. And a lot of this had to do with uh, production budget and travel budgets. and so it, it was money. It was money-based, plain and simple. And because when this started out, they, they were running ECW separate from SmackDown and Raw. They were running it on its, own, on its own arenas, smaller arenas. It had its own set, all that stuff. It had its own crew that were traveling with it. That all cost money. And... The, when the ratings started to dip and when they started to get those yearly reports on how much they're spending, it's like, well, how do we fix this? So what ended up happening was ECW started basically turned into to what what then turned into main event. Like, I don't even know if main event's still a thing. It might be. I, I'm not 100 percent. It is. It, it OK, is. so basically it turned into main event where it was recorded an hour before Smackdown. Usually uh, is what ECW turned into, I think, around maybe late 2007, early 2008, definitely by 2008, it was SmackDown light. It was using the SmackDown set. You know, it just was what it was. So they were like, they were the opening act for SmackDown, which sucked because at least when they were running smaller shows uh, or smaller arenas, uh, like even like this uh, WWE CW head to head that we're going to cover, it was only a, a 4,700 seat arena. That's not a huge thing. You know, WWE usually runs 15 to 20,000 seats. This had under 5,000. And at least there you could have the feeling of a fuller house as opposed to running it an hour before SmackDown starts. So now you, you literally have people filing in or going to get their beers or going to concession stands. Not, in, in other words, not giving a shit about what's in the ring because you and I have both been to live wrestling shows. That stuff before the actual show starts, unless it's a pay-per-view and then the pre-show is actually part of the show. But like when they're taping back then, it was velocity, you know, now now it's main event. I guess that's still a thing. It's like, yeah, that, that's an easy thing to be like, I'm going to wait in the beer line for, you know, the main event show. Yeah. And for, and for something that was even turned into developmental, like it really it was taped dark matches essentially yeah. that's what we were that's what yeah. we were getting and not even good quality dark matches like it was it was really bad towards the end and i mentioned to you before we started filming i fortunately think watching the the rebranding may make me reevaluate some of the things that i loved about the original run um i mean i i don't i don't think that's going to happen uh just just uh, I'm guessing because by the end of it, I think we'll realize how different of a product it was. Uh, and by no means, even though we're reminiscing, that, that was kind of the point of this first episode of this series was for you and I to reminisce about the better times of ECW because we were both ECW fans. Uh, you know, the 
you, you mentioned in one of the texts, going to the, the Wonderland Ballroom in Revere for, for ECW yep. shows. I mean, it was a terrible venue. <laughs> oh, horror, horror. The, I, I still taste the uh, asbestos in the, uh, in the ceiling. Do you want to lose like 20 pounds of sweat? Go, go to an ECW show at Wonderland. <laughs> the AC doesn't work. No, and neither does the water or no. any type of filtration for the fountain soda. But again, that was, that was uh, the cool thing about the original ECW in its time. Um, you know, it was, it, it was, it was that, you know, as Hay- Paul Heyman has described it better than probably anyone. It, it was, it was punk rock at the time, you know, when, when, when WWE was doing, you know, cartoons and stuff, they were doing, you know, Sabu and Terry Funk type shit, you know, and it's like, um, I, I, I don't think going through this is going to change your, your thoughts and your feelings because it, it's a different product. And that was kind of one of the, the points that Shane made uh, in that Untold episode, which I do recommend people go check out uh, on the network. And yeah, it's, it's, really basi- it's basically, if you had called this 2006 creation, this 2006 television show, if you had called it anything else but ECW, it would have had a little better chance to survive. And it would have had a little better chance to to be its own thing. Basically, it's it's why NXT was created. And I I remember, and, and NXT, let's be honest, has gone through its own transitions. And the first run of NXT, when it was basically a game show, uh, was not great. It wasn't overly entertaining. Uh, but then the the NXT that nowadays everybody knows that Triple H runs. I remember the first uh, was it it was Arrival or or it was their first like event. Yep. Arrival. Arrival. And, and I remember yep. uh, just seeing, watching it, and having that feeling like this is, this is the closest thing to what ECW was. You know what I mean? It's like the the way, be, and especially because they don't they they didn't run NXT with the rest of the company. They kept it in Florida. They kept it in one place, one you know, in full sale in that arena, and it's like. It's intimate, and the same people go week after week. You know, much like when ECW was running out of you know Philadelphia or New York, you'd get the same group of people every single week because they are your yeah. fans. You know, the, the the traveling circus side of it doesn't lend itself to uh, a, a show like ECW or, or you know when NXT was starting. Now that they've gotten bigger and they're on TV again, that was obviously another a big concern uh, of. Those of us who enjoyed that type of NXT was, oh, they're going on TV. Are they going to start touring? Because I remember what happened with ECW when that happened. It was like, oh shit, don't just, just don't, <laughs> you know. Yep, and and to, kind of going back to that, the the first introduction to ECW in the mainstream was that that Philadelphia pay per view in '96, Mind Games. And, yeah. and and really getting them that mainstream appeal really helped bring them to the next level. It was it was great to see it. That engulfed me even more to start doing the tape trading, which you know I think is a lost lost art nowadays. Yeah, <laughs> who the hell has tapes? <laughs> those audio, those audio cassettes, right? Like, yeah, I I remember those those as well. The 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 tape trading was huge, or or. Um, you know, by buying the buying the tapes directly from ECW. You know, you'd see the 
the commercials on their, like you said, the 3 a.m. Spanish Channel syndicated show. And, uh, you know, oh, we got, you know, the, the one that I always remember and the, the commercial um, was it's one of those things like you like phrases and voices just burned into your head. And it was ECW's House Party 99. And I can I remember the commercial vividly, just Paul's voice. Uh, you know, I think that was one of the ones where they they included the Sandman returning because he was he had been in WCW at the time, and uh, I remember him. He was a hack. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he certainly was a hack. Um, but yeah, I like stuff like that, or um, even once they got on TV, you know, the late the later run of ECW, I still thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, the like when Steve Carino was the guy in ECW because everybody else had left. He still, we mentioned him uh, on the last show because of Jack Victory yep. or Jack O Victory as he was referred to back in <laughs> 1990. New, New Zealand zone. Yeah. New Zealand by way of Atlantic city, Jack O Victory. Um, but that, that stuff he did with dusty Rhodes, the King of old school was, was great. Um, you know, and again, I say great, not as in the, you know, as most people think, oh, shit wrestling. It's like, I'm not talking about five-star matches selling up at Tokyo Dome. I'm talking, I was thoroughly entertained as a 19-year-old back in 1999. Yeah. True that, true that. And, and that's, that's the thing I think wrestling fans nowadays that, you know, are in their early 20s, they, they don't, the internet's made people too whiny and not appreciate what was then that made what AEW is trying to be like ECW right now, in my opinion. Who the hell knows what they're trying to be? <laughs> I think they're trying to be WCW, which I don't know. The, I don't know if either way is a good. Why don't you try to be e, uh, AEW instead of trying to be somebody else? That, that's my suggestion. But, you know, that, that's current day wrestling where we'll, we'll quickly get angry. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, but, yeah, so... I, I agree uh, with, with the the current generation, and it's also because everything has to like the problem becomes when everything has to be so similar, um, you know. And and it kind of goes to to what you're saying, like like that one one company trying to be this other company or, or whatever you want to call it, you know. Or or like I joked about, you know, the five star Tokyo Dome. It's like. People think that every show that they watch, every wrestling show, has to you know be the most technically proficient. Look, I'll I'll stand by this old old school ECW, the late '90s ECW, and the Attitude Era WWF stuff. But I'll be the first also to admit that the in ring work wasn't great. <laughs> that's putting it. That's putting it nicely. Trying to still stay positive, man. You know, but the in-ring work wasn't great. But for me, it was thoroughly entertaining because, again, as I mentioned a lot last on the last series, in the Black Scorpion series, uh, I watch pro wrestling as a television show, as a form of entertainment. It's not a sport. It's, it's an athletic television show. I'm not discrediting it, but I don't watch it as a sport because it's not real to me, damn it. It's a television show. So you need to tell me a story. And back then, that's what they did. They told stories. And uh, I don't know if we talked about it on air or off air, but uh, we'll talk about it now for a brief second. You know, I, I'll sit here and, and defend uh, Vince Russo's run in w, WWE, WWF, until uh, I'm blue in the face, because at the very least, 
during that time, every single person from the first guy walking through the curtain till Stone Cold left the arena, everyone had a story. They weren't all the greatest stories. And we, we kind of, again, I, I forget what we mention on and off air sometimes. But, like, you know, uh, you, you talk about, you know, I think it was one of, it was one of those big shows. It might have been the one that Mick Foley won his first title in Worcester on. And yep. that show yeah, that was also uh, January... January of 99, yep. Uh, it was actually, I, w- I was there. It was uh, the week of Christmas. Uh, it was when they taped it. It was, a Tuesday, it was one of those Tuesday Raws uh, because obviously it was taped. That's how the Shivani line happened on Nitro. But I was there. It was cold. It was a blizzard. Uh, it was hard to get out to. But my point being that that was like one of those monumental Raws uh, when you know, Mick Foley won his first WWF title. It also included you know The Undertaker with Midian in a sex dungeon. I'm pretty sure that was the one Terry Runnels had her miscarriage on. Uh, Shawn Michaels got murdered. <laughs> he was. Oh, oh my God! Yeah. He was yeah. thrown wow. through a windshield of a car by the corporation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so it's like, yeah, it was all over the fucking place. But at the very least, they, you know, it was one of those things. For, like I said, from the opening of the show, they were throwing shit at the wall and hoping it stuck. You know, not all of it did. Uh, not all of it did. I'm, I'm going to sit here. I'll be the first to sit here and say not all of it was great television, but damn it, they were trying. And, and it's funny you say that everyone had a part of the show. You remember the, the vivid pictures of Foley being held up mm-hmm. with the title? There was like 30 wrestlers at ringside all oh, yeah. involved in the storyline. It was uh, so it was, you know, it was Mick Foley versus The Rock. Uh, it was at Mankind versus The Rock at the time. And they had the corporation on the rock side. Uh, so, I mean, it was Vince. Uh, I'm, guess, I'm sure Shane was there. Patterson and Briscoe. Uh, yeah. Kane was part of it. They, they, they were still putting Briscoe Brothers yeah. Body Shop on Kane's back. Uh, Ken Shamrock, Big Boss Man. I'm pretty sure Test was there at that point. Uh, and then DX was on the other side, which, of course, you know, Hunter, X-Pac, Road Dog, Billy Gunn, uh, and, and China. And... On top of all that, it was, you know, Shawn Michaels had been fired from the corporation like a week before and came out, opened the show with DX, which was fucking awesome for a DX guy like myself. It was like, oh, shit, they're, all right, we're going to do something. Granted, like I said, they murdered Shawn Michaels. We could just cover this show for the rest of the thing. <laughs> because, again, it was, it was one of, you know, I was there, and it was one of the coolest things. Uh, and not even all this p- part of it. Still... Still to this day, and I've been to, you know, Boston Bruins, Stanley Cups, and Van Halen reunion tours, still the loudest noise I've ever heard in an arena was in that main event match when Stone Cold's glass broke and he came down. And literally, the Worcester Centrum was vibrating. That's so, that's so amazing, too, because, again, that, that's an iconic part of the match, and he just waffles the bejesus out of the rock with the with the chair to the face, which isn't even a conversation in real wrestling anymore. But like that was, I mean, rightfully uh, so. Well, well, yeah, well, know, yeah of, of, looking of course. Looking back but, at t- in twenty twenty at some of those chair shots, it's like, oh, why why didn't somebody tell us that concussions are bad? <laughs> <laughs> but it's just it's that whole sequence chair shot fully yeah. on top, and just the 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 
pop of the crowd and just it was it was something to be sold beholding just watching yeah. it and talking about it's giving me goosebumps it is one of those maybe top five of the of the history of the company top five moment and it's one of those things like like people have said that jericho when jericho debuted uh that the the pop was lo the loudest thing ever and people in the company have said that but for me i wasn't in chicago that night i was in worcester and i felt the floor beneath me actually shaking from every single person in Worcester hitting their feet and making all the noise possible. And yeah, I mean, that was, and that, that's why I look back on, on, on that time and that era as like, you know, it, it's special because it was like, I was, I, I've said it many times. I was peak demo in that attitude era. And that's a, it's a, it's a television term, but I was, I was the guy they were writing for. I was between in the Attitude Era, which covers also ECW at the time. I was anywhere from 16 to 22 years old. Like, that's who they were marketing it for. That's who, you know, Stone Cold drinking beer and flipping off his boss. That's who Sable and, and Francine and Beulah over on ECW. That's who all, all the women, all the divas that turned into that. You know, that's who they were marketing it to. The, these, these horny teenagers. I, like I said, I was 18, 19, 20, 21. That was I was target demo. Like I was exactly what they were shooting for. And I went to every show I could possibly go to. And if it was if I felt I could drive to it, like that's how I went to, you know, not only WrestleMania 14, which was in Boston, but I drove to Philly the next year to go to WrestleMania 15. You know, I went to No Way Out in 2000 when it was in Connecticut and saw which was one of Mick Foley's retirements, but the hell in the cell with Triple H. It's like all those shows. And that was just me being a fucking fan. That was like me being like, this is my, this is my jam. This is my type of entertainment, you know? So going back and, and, and reminiscing about like, like we just did with ECW and stuff. It's like, I don't see those memories being tainted by the next, you know, eight or nine episodes of a podcast. Well, I, I just like playing my role as the most miserable wrestling fan on the planet Earth. So it may, it may, it may not happen, but I, I got to at least uh, pretend. Play, play the gimmick. You're, you're, you're setting yourself up. There you go. Okay. You're, you're setting your expectations up. Uh, all right. So you want to jump into this show, ECW versus WWE head to head. Yep. Uh, it was a so, two-hour special. It was on June seventh, two thousand six, uh, which was a few days. It was a uh, four. Was it four days before uh, one night stand, two thousand six? It was at the Nutter Center in Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> Nutter Center, <laughs> fun. In front of uh, forty seven hundred people. Uh, the commentary tonight, which we're going to have a lot of discussions about the commentary tonight, uh, is. For WWE, it's good old JR and Jerry the King Lawler. And for ECW, it's Joey Styles and Taz. And boy, boy, dude. I mean, I know their commentary. I know it's their job to talk throughout the show, but none of them shut up. <laughs> nope, not, no, 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 not one. And, and this is the biggest grape of my show, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be happy to talk about it as this involves, but this ruined the show for me. Just like last week, the commentary kind of made the show palatable. Mm -hmm. uh, this did the complete opposite, and I threw up all over my shoes. <laughs> um, and, and okay, so so we start off, and 
we, you know, they, they kind of, they, they let us know what they're doing, which, you know, you, we, we don't need to go through all the rigmarole and, uh, yeah, ECW is back. They're going to have a, a show on sci-fi and they're going to have one night stand and, and all this shit's happening and we'll get to all the shit. Um, uh, but we're starting off with, uh, Rey Mysterio, who at the time was the world champion of WWE, which was the, the big gold belt. Uh, and he was facing Rob Van Dam, who was Mr. Money in the Bank at this time. And because he was Mr. Money in the Bank, he was going to be facing John Cena, who was the WWE champion at one night stand for the title. Um, look, as a match, and, and I, I believe you put it out on Facebook and Twitter, you don't, you don't have a much hotter start to a show than Rob Van Dam versus Rey Mysterio in 2006. Yeah, and, and the way this series is going to flow, it's going to be the, this is the pinnacle of in-ring action, and then we're going to get to December to member, <laughs> which is going to be awful, but you don't, the, the crowd was into it, the action was hot, it, it's, right. this was, was peak to me, peak Mysterio was right around, right around this time, and RVD is just, what, what, can, what more can you say about him? One of, one of the best one of the best in ECW history, and I, I would venture to say one of the maybe top ten ever, in my opinion. Yeah, and and every time I, I would do the RVD thumbs to the shoulders on Wicked Bites, he would make sure to tweet me that I owe him five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> every time. Like, oh shit, man, okay. You got a PayPal? <laughs> I got a Venmo RVD. <laughs> now the but, uh, the one the one thing too is and, and I know we're focusing on ECW, mm-hmm. but Mysterio's run as world champion here is is really not that good. He was probably one of the weakest champions that they've ever produced as far as storyline wise and content wise. Uh, so it's a shame that his one his first world title run is kind of marred by the death of Eddie and and a really porous run, but. His in-ring work, this this match is probably one of the best ones he's he had in WWE. And uh, it, it's amazing what uh, what time will do because Jr. can finally pronounce Mysterio. That's a throwback to our last episode. Where he, <laughs> he couldn't he couldn't do it. <laughs> Mysterio. Hey, he nailed it every time on this show. It wasn't Mysterioso or Mysterion or Mysterioic. No, he hit Rey Mysterio every single time. It's amazing what happens when you have a graphic team that can spell a name correctly. Right. <laughs> it takes the time just to spell check shit. Um, so in this first match, uh, we, we, the, the commentary just goes right, right into it. They, they are not pulling any punches. Uh, it is very clear that uh, Jerry the King Lawler and Taz do not like each other <laughs> because they're going to be wrestling and i'm gonna throw the air quotes onto that one at one night stand for sure uh (laughs) it's also here's the thing uh and and we'll we'll as the show goes on we'll we'll get more into the commentary of this show um here's here's my takeaway from it um jerry the king lawler while he is the 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 king of dad jokes is a very quick-witted guy uh, and that's not just me saying it. it. It's been said in many, many interviews praising him. He's very quick-witted, and he has a comeback load in the chamber. That comeback, might, like I said, might be a dad joke from the 70s, but at least it's there. Joey Styles, when he's on his game, is one of the best play-by-play guys in the history of the business. 
uh, we, we mentioned our, our, our love of the original ECW. That guy called the shows by himself. That meant he had to be Everything. Yeah. entertaining, knowledgeable, and compelling for three hours by himself on pay-per-view for the, the majority of the run of ECW. The last year or two, they were throwing Cyrus and Joel Gertner in there. But for the majority of ECW, he called it by himself. And again, someone that is very quick-witted. Taz and JR are not that quick-witted. JR is one of the top, he's like, he's like number, he's probably number one. If, you're, if we're going down the Mount Rushmore of play-by-play guys in this business, JR is the first name you're going to put on there. Uh, one of the, if not the best play-by-play guy in pro wrestling. However, as we mentioned throughout our last series on the Black Scorpion, JR gets flustered very quickly, especially when there's someone quicker than him. And Paul Heyman was quicker than him in the last run. Now we have Jerry Lawler and Joey Styles doing that. But Taz is like, he's the, the problem is Taz isn't quick-witted. And Taz, and this has been my gripe with Taz like forever. Um, not only does he, he just make up words that don't exist, um, he also gets flustered much like JR, but JR will just kind of shut up. Like he'll stop talking and then try to move the conversation elsewhere. Taz will try to keep up and then he'll start the, 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 the you know, the stuttering thing, which fucking Lawler called him on like multiple times during this show. Oh, amazing. That's so fucking amazing. Today. Yeah. And like I, and I, again, ECW Taz, love it. Like I was all in on that. But again, there was a lot of editing back in ECW. They, and, it was one of those things you go back to when they were promoting the first one night stand and, and Heyman had that classic promo and he points to Taz at the commentary table. He goes, Taz used to be a killer. And you're goddamn right. Those shows, those original ECW shows, had you convinced that Taz was the most dangerous man on the planet. I remember watching him. I, I want to say it was probably Heat Wave 99. Choking Tajiri with barbed wire wrapped around the guy's neck. And I'm like, this is the most psychotic individual ever. You know, beat me if you can. Survive if I let you. It's like, he was a badass. And then, yeah, he retired, went on to commentary. And he's, he's, I'm not going to say he's bad. He's okay uh, at at play-by-play. I'm sorry, at color. Uh, When he's working with the right guy. And I think... Overall, he really clicked probably the best in his career with Michael Cole um, when when they really got comfortable on SmackDown. But this was this was not that. Um, no, it, no, it wasn't. <laughs> this was this was Jerry Lawler verbally beating him the entire time. And, and all all Taz could usually come back with was, oh, how old is that joke? It's like, come on, man. That that's that's you stalling. That's not you slapping back. Like we need we need something more. Um, he, he he hit him with a couple about uh, how old uh, high school girls are and uh, a couple of those references. Well, that's what I wanted to get to because Taz hit him like once or twice, but like by the point of the battle royal, Joey Styles had hit fuck it and was laying it in really thick especially the underage girl thing. <laughs> you ever jerk off in front of a girl eating Taco Bell? Uh, he said something about... Do you ever masturbate to cartoons? It was, um, 
it was in the the, the tag team match, uh, the Edge Edge and uh, the Edge and Foley. Oh no, it wasn't a tag team match. I guess it was. I guess it was just Edge versus Dreamer. Uh, but it was the second to last match, and it was building to the the tag team match at One Night Stand. And Terry Funk grabbed Lita, and and Joey Styles said something like, uh, "You know, Terry Funk isn't isn't uh, afraid to hit a woman or Lita. Get it? She's not a real woman." And then Lawler said something like, "Oh, I, I wouldn't have a problem hitting a woman either." And then Joey just immediately jumped, "Yeah." And how is the like the high school girls are like? He just nailed him with yeah. that beating underage girl shit. And I was like, "Wow!" Like, and and you could tell that moment because, especially in this first RVD Mysterio match. Joey Styles is 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 laying on the you know ECW is all about respect and we respect Rey Mysterio we respect this we it was like okay let's get through this first match with the respect shit but then can we move on you know because they were really laying on the we're all about the respect here meanwhile Lawler's just shitting all over them uh, but I I got it you you had to lay the groundwork for this this new this new brand and what they were all about and all that shit. Um, the new, the new breed unleashed. The unleashed of respect. Oh, oh my God. If I, if I heard that never again, that would be too soon. I heard it so many times in this episode. I never want to hear it again. And we got two months of this to, to listen to. Yeah. Yes, we do. And, uh, JR was really quiet through a lot of this. Again, I, I think it was because, um, you know, he, he's he's not as quick as, as Lawler, and he's definitely not as quick as Joey uh, on the shit-talking side of things. Um, and the, one of the funnier things I noticed, I'm not sure where in the show it happens, but but at a certain point, Lawler and Taz come to blows. Um, a couple things I, I picked up on. Um, one, at the time, the use of the cutoff curse word... Um, so Kurt Angle does it in one of his promos where he's, he wanted to, he was explaining who, because Kurt Angle was drafted to ECW, because I guess that happened. Um, and Kurt was cutting his first ECW promo and he was explaining who ECW's Kurt Angle is. And they, he kind of missed it. Uh, but he, his last line was an ECW's Kurt Angle doesn't take any shit. And I think they were supposed to hit Randy Orton's music before he got the word shit out, but they didn't. But whatever. It is what it is. Uh, it's not the worst thing they're going to say on this show, trust me. And, no. <laughs> and then when Taz and King started their little, all right, we got to sell that this is going to be a match and these two are actually going to fight, um, Lawler did a, a cut. He cut himself off where he just pulled his headset as he was calling Taz an asshole. And then as the headset drops, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm an amateur lip reader at best, but I'm I know goddamn well that Jerry the King Lawler was just repeatedly screaming "fuck you" at Taz over and over and over again, like in a close-up <laughs> shot. And I'm just like, what is he like? That th- you could hear them. You could you could hear them cut JR's microphone off because King was still that close to him and he's literally screaming fuck you at Taz. And I'm just like, all right, we're going to go there. And I, I know this, it was a different, it's a different time. And then they used to do this shit all the time and, and fine. But it's just, it was, it was very noticeable uh, again, going back and watching this stuff. Uh, but in that, 
little scuffle they had, Taz and King. Um, <laughs> I will say, it, it King got the best of Taz. Like, yes, he did. Like that was the worst I part agree. about this because, like, they were trying to sell it as this is this is Taz, this is ECW's Taz. He's you know he's a killer, and it's like, is he? Is he? <laughs> yeah, is he? I don't think so. Because Lawler definitely seemed to get the best of him in this exchange. Um, but what I also noticed was as you know, as the the scuffle escalated and started knocking chairs and all this shit over. Um, first of all, they were throwing fucking potatoes at each other. Like, no punches pulled on those two, which good for them. That was kind of what they were trying to sell. Yep. And. JR was trying to break up the fight. You could hear Joey Styles, who still had, still had his microphone on, screaming, don't break him up, let him fight, let him fight. And at this point, Joey had hit fuck it. And he, was started, he started going at JR. And he's like, come on, JR, come on, you fake cowboy. And then, and if you watch it, it's a pullback shot of like the melee that's ensuing around the broadcast tables. And you see Joey Styles knock JR's hat off and that was when JR got pissed. And he turned and grabbed Joey Styles and just started shaking him. And I'm like, dude, they have been rubbing your face in shit for about an hour and a half now. And it finally took getting your hat knocked off to piss you off. <laughs> so it really makes you wonder if how much of the interactions were actually like scripted because to bring up that kind of stuff i mean was i would it assume more... very little I, I would assume very little was scripted my guess is uh it's one of those situations um where they the, the four of them probably went over it uh beforehand they're like all right we're gonna we're gonna do this and and a lot of times in these situations you know if you hear and read stories where the guy getting shit on will be the one that suggests going after like it wouldn't surprise me if king was like yeah go after that stuff you know that, that's the, the the fans will believe that's real you know like go, go after the underage girl thing because you know what the fuck we're trying to sell this as real you know um like i would assume like because it, it did there was a lot of rough subjects that they were getting into i mean lawler would not stop about the drug abuse in ecw the alcoholism in ecw um all that stuff and that's like that's rough. That's like if, if you're just if you're just casually watching this show, that's like Jesus, man. That like these are real problems in life. This isn't a silly wrestling show. Um, so I would assume that they kind of went over that stuff uh, before the show and like, look, we're gonna hit you. You know, we're gonna hit you with this underage girl thing. Cool, man. I'm gonna hit you with this drug addict shit. He's like, great. You know, <laughs> it is what it is. Our history is well documented. You know. Uh, well, it definitely seems like no one clued JR on it because he, uh, he definitely, I felt he was like uncomfortable doing that to me, at least during probably, big stretches of it. He, he probably was. And like I said, um, he, he, he kept quiet through a lot of it, uh, to the point that Joey Styles started like needling him. Like, like what the fuck? Like, he, he, it was almost like he tried to keep bringing him into the conversation. Like, come on, JR, what, what, what are you, you know, where, where's, like, it was basically, you could basically hear Joey Styles basically saying, like, come on, JR, we're all talking shit. Why aren't you? Um, and, and I think it's one of those things where um, JR was the only one out of the four that really didn't have a dog in the race type of thing. 
Uh, yeah, he's the lead play-by-play guy for, for Raw. He's a WWE guy. Uh, but as far as what they're trying to sell, which this was, as much as it was WWE versus ECW, this was selling ECW, more importantly, the pay-per-view that Sunday. It was selling One Night yeah. Stand 06. JR wasn't going to be on or a part of the show. Uh, he wasn't going to be a part of ECW. He wasn't going to be calling any ECW shows. This was like, you know, it, it, King was going to be at the show, so King had to sell his match with uh, with Taz. Taz and Joey Styles obviously were going to go on as the the commentary team for the first run of the new ECW. Uh, you know, before the genius of Mike Adamley showed up, and. Uh, <laughs> Oh, oh my God! That that, that that fell out of my brain until now. <laughs> it came right back in. Wow. <laughs> but um, but yes, yeah, so I think that was more it. Um, but again, I, I I would I would assume um that these guys went over enough of it. Went over the bullet, like oh, and we're, you know, because you know the Joey Styles part, like he wouldn't stop about the you know we're not sports entertainers, we're not storytellers. I'm gonna call the whole shit. There was enough shit talking that maybe they didn't. Maybe I'm just being, you know, maybe I'm just thinking a bit too positively. Like, oh, yeah, they all they all went over this shit. This is no big deal. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they just said, you know, I don't know. Go for the belt and go below the belt. I don't give a shit. You know, give me your best shot. Surprise me. You know, and, and some of it might have actually been, you know, surprises. Yeah, just some, just something like that with the with the with the kids stuff for Lawler. Like I, I'm trying to Google as we're talking. I I thought he was still going through some litigation on another allegation during this time too. Um, did you know he ran for mayor of Memphis in '99? I, I, I that's another thing that fell out of my brain. Oh yeah, that, that was a major. Like they mentioned it a whole bunch on TV back then. Yeah, he didn't win, obviously. No, but. no, he didn't. And he's related to the Honky Tonk Man too. That I didn't know as well. Yeah, they're uh, they're cousins or something like that. Yep, yep. Bunch of goddamn cousin fuckers, cornhole in the livestock. <laughs> <laughs> That's Tennessee wrestling right there. <laughs> Everyone's one chromosome away from each other. <laughs> That's yeah. Uh, the Samoans and the Tennessee wrestlers, them and the, and the Canadians, they're all just fucking related. <laughs> um, okay. So, I mean, the, we didn't even talk really about the, the match that happened and it was, it was a great match. It was good. Yeah. It was great, yeah. It was a, it was a great match. Um, you know, Rob Van Dam doing Rob Van Dam shit and same with Rey Mysterio. Uh, of course, Rob Van Dam got the win because that's the important part of it. Uh, you know, we got to build Rob Van Dam up because he's going to be going against John Cena at the pay-per-view. Uh, they also kept mentioning how uh, Rey Mysterio was going to go up against Sabu at the pay-per-view for the World Heavyweight title, which uh, next week, I'm sure you and I will both have a problem with that match. Yes. I remember it. Uh, I, I, it's, I remember it, and I remember in the moment watching it live on pay-per-view going, what, what's happening? What what just ha- why is the match over? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's one of the un- unfortunate things here with ECW. Mm-hmm. There was no, to my memory, the original run of ECW. I never remember a match ending with a disqualification. They didn't exist there. Yeah, uh, and that's what that's one of the things again that um, 
uh, to to Shane's point in that Untold episode, where it, if it was called anything else, but it was called ECW, and people that were coming for ECW, that people were coming to watch ECW didn't get ECW, you know, because all of a sudden you took this uh, lawless wasteland, the the you know island of misfit toys with no rules and no laws. And all of a sudden you're adding, you know, regulations and laws and countouts and disqualifications. And it went from, you know, anything goes all the time, all all day, every day, 24-7, no rules, to, well, there's going it, this is going to be real wrestling with the occasional quote unquote extreme rules match. <sighs> yeah. I think yeah. uh, I think at the time it was called ECW rules, which is fucking hilarious. Because extreme rules, extreme rules, the, which the, is the, still okay. carrying on. Yeah, extreme rules. Well, they're still doing the pay per view now, but yeah. So yeah. I, I didn't I didn't know if they eventually changed that because I vaguely remember the, at one time them saying, "Oh, this is this is held under ECW rules." It's like, well, it's an ECW show, shouldn't the whole fucking thing be ECW? Whatever. I think so. Yeah. Whatever. That one would make too much sense. Um, but yeah, that's next week's show. Yeah, and, it's kind of uh, it's kind of, it's kind of like the scenario of you know there was no forks in medieval times, thus there's no forks at medieval times. Would you like a <laughs> refill on that Pepsi? <laughs> yes, exactly. I went to that once, once. Not a fan. No, no, that medieval stuff. Even going down the Game of Thrones, all that. that none of that stuff ever uh, attracted me and. Yeah, the turkey legs are good though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. turkey legs and big beers. I I get it, but yeah, nobody. No, I'm I'm watching it like nobody's dying. <laughs> this is supposed to be medieval times. Why isn't somebody getting stabbed with a jousting whatever the hell that big long stick is? Is it called the? Jousting? Where's the wedge? Where, where's the wedge? Yeah, you can't call him that, can you? Like, isn't that what? Isn't that your job? Is that your job description, wench? <laughs> no, not these days. No, it's a, it's a, I don't know what, waitress? <laughs> wait, uh, <laughs> we're, wait, we're wait, a, wait, we're person? in a wenchless road. <laughs> wenchless road, 2020. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to do a crude segue, but next up is Mickey James and Jazz. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, old school Mickey James. Uh, I I am a fan. I I am a big fan of of this era, Mickey James, yes. uh, her run with Trish and all and all that stuff. Uh, I I thought she was fantastic, uh, and and still to this day, she's it's like it, it's amazing. Some of them that are just fucking ageless, and like you watch Mickey James in this match with Jazz, and you watch Mickey James today, and it's like Jesus, she just she hasn't missed a step, and she's had at least one, maybe a couple of kids. You know, it's like good for her. Good, good for Mickey James. Big yes, fan of Mickey James. Yes, we we are all winners in this scenario. Yeah, um, Jazz, uh, who I, of course I remember from the original ECW, uh, had been at this point, as Joey Styles wanted to point out multiple times, a two-time WWE Women's Champion. Uh, I didn't know she had been in the company that long at this point, uh, but you know who knows? Yeah, she been- debuted. She debuted at that 2001 Survivor Series. Um, where oh, the invasion. It was the end of the invasion angle. And um, she made a debut for the women's title that was held up when China left the company. Gotcha. Uh, Jesus, so she had been in for a minute. Um, okay. And yeah, 
it was a solid two minute match. It was a two minute women's match. Um, you know, was what it was. Uh, Jazz got beat up, beat so, up on commentary quite a bit, but yeah. So this is the one thing I kind of want to touch base on. We're, we're just sure. kind of looking at looking at things then and now a little bit, which we're you know sometimes going to do. It's it's a shame that Mickey James is not given enough credit because she her matches were great, her personality was great, all that. But this is the era where it was an afterthought. They get two to three minutes once a week, and it's 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 amazing to see what the women's wrestling is now, at least on the WWF end of it, where they're main event at WrestleMania now and having pay per views and all that. But unfortunately, I think it's starting to shift back a little bit. Um, on some of those things, but this is a shame to see that these two should have had maybe 10, 12 minutes, but I understand it was the USA and you couldn't really do that, but they would have maybe had a nice hardcore match or extreme match at the, at the pay-per-view. That would have been good. So for shits and giggles, the last couple of days, I went back, uh, and just watched what was going on in WWE at this time. So I went back two weeks. I watched, uh, the two raws and the two smackdowns prior to the show. And, Speaking to what the women were up to, um, The Miz was hosting SmackDown, I guess. Uh, and he Hoorah. was, yeah, he was really trying to make that a thing. Didn't work. He must have nope. urad 47 times and had about six minutes of screen time. It just wasn't happening for you, Miz. But God damn it, he was trying. Uh, but in, in this time on SmackDown, uh, instead of a, a match, they dedicated probably a 10-minute segment to a bikini contest between uh, uh, Ashley Massaro, uh, Jillian Hall, uh, Crystal Marshall, and Michelle McCool. I think that's it. There might have been one other in there. But that's what the women were doing, just to put a frame of reference on what WWE was up to. It was also uh, the first instance of Vince McMahon using the term Ashel on television. I think I sent you the picture that we wrapped up an episode of Raw with Vince McMahon pantsless, face down in the ring. Yes. His ass totally exposed. You know, it's one of those things. Like, I know the Kiss My Ass Club was a thing. I know Vince showed his ass on TV a lot, but I think it's just one of those things you forget until you re see it. And it's like, wow. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm seeing his balls right now. <laughs> Yeah, and not in the good way either. And they're weird. <laughs> so, so this this brought up a conversation we had a little bit, and how this era, the ruthless aggression era, era was era. era was maybe more vulgar than the attitude era. Oh, I I would I would agree to that. Um, and I would agree it was it was because of um, the lack of direction a lot of. A lot of this era had era. Uh, <laughs> let's go get hoorah, hoorah! <laughs> Thank you, Miz. Everybody was, you know, John Cena was on his Marine thing too. So him and the Miz were just hoorahing off all over the place. I'm like, neither one of you had any military service, so come the fuck down. <laughs> he hoorahed 47 times and didn't draw a dime. Nope. <laughs> oh, poor Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> Nobody liked him. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I, I think there was a, it, there was a, uh, a feeling that when, when ratings would dip, uh, 
they would be like, oh, well, we gotta we gotta do something wild and off and off the wall. And I mean, it was still TV fourteen, so they could get away with pretty basically whatever the hell they wanted. Um, so and without like a real direction, you got stuff like Eric Bischoff and the hot lesbian action. You got stuff like, oh shit, we need to fill 10, 10 minutes and our ratings are down. Put five chicks in bikinis and send them out there. Put the make the lights pink and use that generic stripper music that we use for Rick Rude. It's like that's what. And say hoorah. Hoorah! Yeah, it's like holy shit. Uh, but, but yeah, and, and Miz like that's what he was doing. Like he was just hosting air quotes SmackDown. Uh, he was basically Todd Pettengill at fucking in your house. <laughs> Where's Stephanie Ryan when you need her? Rough. Um, funny thing that I I, I did think about, and we'll, we'll we'll get back to the other show in a second. Uh, but. Watching that, I'm like, oh, this was around that time that Miz was kicked out of the locker room. Now, in yep. retrospect, is it all that bad that you weren't liked by Chris Benoit? <laughs> 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 oh, no. Did he not like me? <laughs> did I make a bad impression on Chris Benoit? <laughs> Listen, he, he was a locker room leader. <laughs> yeah, leave it at that. <laughs> he's a hell and, of a wrestler. And here's the, and here's, here's the thing, just, just so our just so our listeners understand, this is what the purpose of the show is. Two guys watching <laughs> wrestling. This is the equivalency of us just sitting here watching this and just talking about everything else. <laughs> hey, it was my dumbass move. I went back and watched. Fucking two weeks of this shit, <laughs> you know. Just like, hey, maybe I'll see what was going on. Get a little backstory on it. No, no. ECW compiled of about two minutes out of four episodes of TV. So, was this the uh, time uh, Cena Weevil came out? Uh yeah, they were doing that. Uh, they were doing that. Uh, Kane and and the original Kane gimmick that kept uh, flashing lights and, and he would come down and what was it? May 18th or 19th or something like that. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That whole thing was happening on TV too. <laughs> <laughs> and then he loses to his fake self in a match. The wig on the fake cane was just atrocious. Like, wow. You just like, like he, he, he wore a wig for years. Like, why couldn't you just use that thing that he, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it got all shitty after all that time where he just didn't have it anymore. Anywho, bad wig. Uh, Kane, not part of ECW. Moving on. Uh, so <laughs> trying to stay on track here, man. Try not to make this a three-hour show. Um, but okay, so uh, we're getting the the hype up for the big battle royal. Uh, we got what twenty twenty man battle royal uh, between WWE guys and ECW guys, and WWE guys compile of SmackDown and Raw performers. And uh, one of those, I completely forgot he was a thing at this point, but Tatanka. Yes, our, our buddy Tatanka. Tatanka was there. I'm like, what the hell are you still doing in 2006 on TV? <laughs> He's the lifeblood of SmackDown. And he got an entrance on TV. With his, with his headdress. Fucking Christ, man. I think it's huge. Um. Yeah, so uh, all the WWE guys got their own individual entrances. Uh, ECW all came out together, led by ECW's Olympic hero, Kurt Angle. <laughs> and uh, again, 
adding to the the story and and the the team effort and all that stuff. And Joey Styles made sure to lay it on real thick, like. You know, we we're here. We, you know, that's that's how they come out. They come out as a team, as a unit. They're not individuals. They're not superstars. They're pro wrestlers, and they're a pro wrestling unit. That's why we're gonna be the best. And then Taz ruins it by saying, "Well, why don't we get our own entrances?" Like, God damn it, man! That <sighs> at that point, you feel like saying, "Follow the script." Ta-. Like you can almost see Joey Styles tapping on his script, being like, "Shut the fuck up." <laughs> Yep, you, the look on his face was just like Taz was just laying fart after fart <laughs> after fart. Why don't we get our own entrances? Because that's, that's not the story we're telling, pal. <laughs> so the the one thing with, with all the entrances and, and seeing all this, Carlito. Like yeah. that, the thing with the apples, you can definitely not do that nowadays with the uh, COVID situation. No. <laughs> no. No, he's, his gimmick's fucked. <laughs> I'm going to spray hand sanitizer at those who are not cool. Yes. <laughs> oh, fucking Carlito. But yeah. Uh, okay. COVID Lito. COVID Lito, which be his new name. How they haven't done something with that on TV. Like, that, that's, that's right up pro wrestling's alley. Shocking. Anywho. <laughs> the sanitizer suplex would be his finisher. <laughs> like it. Um,. Yeah, so the the the, the pump up speeches uh, were definitely in two different ballparks. Uh, you had uh, the WWE one, which I believe was led by Edge and Mick Foley, if I'm not mistaken. Nope. No? The the first one was to open the show. The pre battle royal hype was the big show. Oh, that's right. So so you don't see the twist coming. That's right. Yes. No. <laughs> no. Uh, and then Paul Heyman was was doing the ECW one, obviously, and it it was much better. Even it was just filmed better. Like it was, again, that was one of the cool things about what they wanted to do with ECW, which as as we'll learn over the next you know nine or ten episodes, they just didn't accomplish. But it was meant to be something different. Like it was even shot different. It's like. You know, the the WWE locker room was shot very much like a standard WWE show. It's like everybody's facing the camera. The camera's on a wide shot. Everyone's just kind of walking in front of the camera. It's nice. ECW one's whipping around the camera, getting close-ups of this guy, close-up of that guy. Sandman smacking his face with a kendo stick. Close-up of this guy. Whip back here. Whip back here. Catch Paul right at the end when he's doing the ECW chant. And yeah, it was just, it, it was a cool because it was different type of thing. Um, also... God, Kurt Angle is just so shouty at this stage in his career. Oh, sit, sit level. Like, wow. Like, he's definitely blown his vocal. Like, yeah! Like, it's, it sounds extremely hoarse and very, very, I get it. You were supposed to be a more aggressive Kurt Angle, but my God, I'm watching it, like, scared for him. <laughs> it's like, like, Kurt, you're going to make yourself pass out. <laughs> he, he's got lumps of coal just falling out of the back of his tights. Seriously. Seriously, he, his butthole was so tight. <laughs> so, so since we're talking about Kurt Angle a little bit, there was a couple of promos in between the matches. One with him and him and Randy Orton hyping yes. their match. Yes. The the one thing I noticed in the show and and during this run and something that WWF has kind of been turned into, they force these phrases on you mm-hmm. that you just have to scoop and eat and eat. And if I talked about a little earlier, new breed unleashed to, yep. to hear that being just regurgitated over and over again, 
and the use of the term son of a bitch. I've heard that described so many ways on this show. Mm-hmm. Santimonious, greedy, generic, son of a bitch, son of a bitch. Well, you, you, yeah, I mean, you could still curse on the shows. So. Couldn't say asshole or anything like that? You couldn't say asshole. That's why, like, Lawler, Lawler did the cutoff asshole part. You can't, see, that there's, there's weird rules. Uh, actually, and I, I do actually know some of this stuff. There, there's weird cursing rules. At least there used to be. Um, now, now it's kind of a free-for-all, um, you know. But back then, there, there was, there was interesting. Like, you could say ass, but you couldn't say asshole. Um, and you could only use ass, uh, like as a descriptive term, like you're an ass, you couldn't say, I'm going to shove this up your ass. Um, like, so you couldn't use it in a, a sexual manner, uh, if you will. Um, yeah, you know, stuff like, uh, like bitch, uh, you could say son of a bitch, but for some reason it's, there's like, there was weird things about bitch. Like you couldn't. Like men, men calling women bitch was like almost tabooish. Um, yeah, you, you, you could know. call your own gender a bitch, right? Or right. a female can call a guy a bitch, but a guy can call a girl a bitch. And if it did, there would have to be some sort of precursor, I think, to it. Yeah, there, there was a lot of weird rules. I'm and and quite honestly, I'm just I'm glad they kind of abandoned it all now that you know it's a free for all on TV. Um, but yeah, so so that was why the son of a bitch thing was very prevalent because that was like the big curse that they could they could really throw out there, which technically they still can. Like again, people look at um, you know it's it's one of those things with the PG era uh, that people are like, oh, we got to go back to TV fourteen. It's like you don't. Like they can get away with stuff. I mean, there, there's been those those episodes where uh, like when um, it was Bobby Lashley and I think uh, when they ran through the goddamn titantron and Corey grave yells shit on live content. oh uh him and Strowman, yeah yeah it's like you can like you can say that like there's no fcc fine for them saying shit on a pg show it's allowed um you know there's, there's they're like they're very safe as far as taking the pg rating like there's a lot more that they could they have a lot of wiggle room as far as that's concerned uh but that's just that's that's you know inside baseball for lack of a better term um but yeah, what, what I did notice about this promo, Randy Orton, my God, where are your tattoos, sir? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He is so young. Seriously. He had no tattoos on. <laughs> it's like he, 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 also, he also had the, uh, his end pose. He, he didn't understand that you don't need to hold it the whole time like, <laughs> for 20 seconds. Yes. He, 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 he was still learning. Still, still green. Despite being an 87-time world champion at that point. Um, <laughs> all right, so we jumping into this battle royal? Yeah, well, one, one thing before we get in there. Uh, I miss Lillian Garcia. She was, she was great to look at, great voice, great singer, funny. Like, I, I, miss, I miss her. Yeah, yeah, she was good. Uh, and they, they actually call, they, they bring attention to that on commentary. Uh, I think I think again it was it was Taz that said where's our ring announcer or something like that and Joey Styles was like I don't mind looking at Lillian he's like oh yeah right women I like them <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah little girls for Lawler I like women oh, I love Taz but you know again he's just not that quick um, anyway <clears throat> all right battle royal time. 
20-man over-the-top battle royal, ECW versus WWE. Um, <clears throat> let's run down some of the participants here. Uh, for WWE, we have The Big Show, Randy Orton, Edge, Finley, Shelton Benjamin, Bobby Lashley, Carlito, Tatanka, Matt Hardy, Mark Henry. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, for ECW, we have ECW's Olympic hero, Kurt Angle. I have to say it that way. <laughs> the Sandman, Balls Mahoney, Steven, Stevie Richards, Al Snow, Just Incredible, Terry Funk, Tommy Dreamer, Tony Mamaluke, and Nunzio. What was uh, Nunzio was little Guido in ECW. That's yep. right. I, was, yep. I blanked for a second. Uh, so, yeah. Here's the thing. Uh, I just want to, before we even get to next week's show, <laughs> Terry Funk, it's funny. Um, I don't know if you've seen some of his interviews regarding the first one night stand. No, I haven't. But there was no way Terry Funk was missing a payday this time around. <laughs> he was offered, uh, he was offered a spot on one night stand 2005 and he turned it down in favor of Shane Douglas's show that we talked about earlier. To this day, he's regretted it because of the amount of money he gave up. Like, there's, a, there's an interview on YouTube, you can find it, where he's basically crying about how bad of a business decision that was. So when this one came around, it was one of the first names attached to it was Terry Funk, who at the time was, I don't know, 92 and a half? Yeah, cl cl close to close to 100 bills, though. Oh, man. God bless him. Uh, so, right off of Jump Street, Nunzio and Kurt Angle knock uh, Mark Henry to the ground. Uh, so, he's out. Matt Hardy gets eliminated by Just Incredible and Terry Funk. The Big Show eliminates Little Guido, a.k.a. Nunzio. Tatanka gets his paycheck as Tommy Dreamer knocks him to the ground. Carlito is eliminated <laughs> by the Sandman. Jump in any time, Rich. No, this is good. You like Gordon Sully right now. Sure, yeah. America's favorite old fart reading a book. <laughs> Elimination uh, number four was. So here comes all the Edge eliminations because Edge never got in the ring. Uh, so he was, he was kind of, again, I'm showing a lot of my age by some of these references, but uh, there was a, a battle royal, I think, to start WrestleMania four, and George Steele never got in the ring. And Jesse Ventura couldn't shut up about it. Yeah. Yep. Edge, Edge took a play out of George Animal Steel's book and basically did the same thing. Just didn't get in the ring, therefore you can't get eliminated. It's a strategy by the heels. And uh, so Edge yanked Tony Mamaluke out. Uh, Edge and Orton yanked Tommy Dreamer out. Edge pulled Terry Funk out. Uh, then Finley eliminated Just Incredible. Shelton Benjamin eliminated Al Snow. Bobby Lashley eliminated Stevie Richards and Balls Mahoney. Then Kurt Angle dumped Bobby Lashley. Uh, and now we're getting down to the nitty-gritty. Who would have thought in 2006 yeah. on WWE programming, one of the last two people involved in a battle royal would be the Sandman? Yeah, and, and you remember Joey talking about how uh, he's the perfect guy for a battle royal because he's been in prison and punched a jail officer and all this, I, 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 yeah, I don't, I don't know the legitimacy of that, but that was the story. I, I remember him telling that, and I'm like, oh, I remember that story from 
old ECW. He, he would uh, he he went to jail like twenty times for bar fighting. <laughs> was the, was the gimmick story? And he did six months in solitary confinement because he beat up a guard or something like that. That was the story he told. Um, again, I think a lot of that was gimmicked. I'm not saying that I don't believe the Sandman did some time. I'm just saying I don't think it was 20 years. But how's <laughs> that? How, how's that make you? How's that make you a a battle royal expert? Yeah, I don't know. Bar fighting. We're gonna. I'm gonna go with bar fighting. All right. Not solitary <laughs> confinement. No, no, that that wouldn't be a battle royal situation. <laughs> He's so why the, do you bring it up as why do you bring that up then? He's the 2006 Greco-Roman masturbation champion, Sandman. <laughs> Great success. Hoorah. Great success. Hoorah. <laughs> Thank you, miss. <laughs> Go back in your hole. <laughs> uh, but Randy Orton eliminates uh, the Sandman. And uh, Kurt Angle then eliminates Shelton Benjamin Finley. Edge gets in the ring and is immediately eliminated by Kurt Angle. Great heel moment. Um, yes. Something that, again, uh, you, you watch Kurt Angle, especially in, in this era. And um, Taz makes, makes note of it as well. Taz, of course, the human suplex machine. But watching Kurt Angle suplex people, like, dude was just a beast at this time like Joey Styles points out he's like watch 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 him pop his hips and stuff and like he was an absolute beast at this time uh throwing people uh which is uh it's it's one of those things I know I know we had um we we had Angle and Brock Lesnar do a run but it was back in the Brock Lesnar was a pro wrestler time not Brock Lesnar is current Brock Lesnar but like 2006 Kurt Angle versus current day Brock Lesnar. Man, that's a that's a suplex match I'd love to see. Oh, 100 100%, 100% and unfortunately this was maybe like his peak because this is after his neck surgery and all that. He was yeah. really beefed up and physical looked like an ass kicker versus the Kurt Angle prior was more of not that he was a great wrestler, but he was more in there for comedy purposes. Like the shift in his gimmick to really be what Taz was. Mhm. Was was an interesting thing for him. It's unfortunate. After one night stand, he fucks off and goes to TNA. Well, he he also was having personal problems a lot, and well, yeah, mostly drug related and mostly ex wife related at this time. Um, and and it was I I want to say it was one of those things where, um, if I remember the story correctly, uh, he was basically told by WWE that they would keep him on provided he completed like rehab or something like that uh whatever that entailed and he refused and he refused to go to rehab and instead he went to tna and because tna i'll say it was run by awful people they would take you if you had concussion problems they would take you if you had drug problems they didn't give a shit if they felt they could make a buck off your name they would take you and i know that's a lot of the wrestling business but uh, it was one of those situations where it's like, Jesus, WWE was trying to do the right thing by this guy. You know? Yeah. yeah. And nope. And, and they do I'm that to a lot here. of people to their credit, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, how many times have they pulled Scott Hall out, out of, you know, a bad place? They even, they even tried to help Sonny, too, uh, of, yeah. all, of all people. I mean, you know, if she could stop getting arrested every single week, you know. 
it's 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 a sad sad circumstance but I, I it definitely we can do sunny later have longer time <laughs> but it definitely makes you wonder like if Kurt Angle stuck around during this like it, it would have been an interesting flow to how this went and it really between that and what yeah yeah uh, I mean he would have gone back to Smackdown is what would have happened like I, I don't I don't think Kurt Angle sticking around would have changed the trajectory of ECW one iota you don't you don't think it would have been better because you know as we talked sure. about RVD winning the title RVD all the stuff that happened with him after he won the title I think it would he would have been a good transitional person to fill that spot instead of the big show of all people we're sure, gonna but, get there but again but, yeah but again you know by by December uh Kurt Angle would have been back on Smackdown and the wheels still would be off the train yeah, no, that, that's that's fair, I guess. Uh, so uh, after Kurt Angle eliminated Edge, Randy Orton eliminates Kurt Angle, to which the bell rings, Raw's music starts playing, Big Show and Randy Orton, both wearing their red Raw shirts, start celebrating. Randy Orton runs over and starts taunting Kurt Angle, and behind him, the Big Show rips his red Raw shirt off to reveal a black ECW shirt great reveal and looks at randy orton randy orton gives his best randy orton what the fuck face and he's good at that he's really good at that actually it is a it is a trademark randy orton move um and uh big show choke slam grabs him tosses his ass out and uh i liked how they did it i liked how they did the celebration with him and kurt uh where it wasn't like Kurt was in on it, uh, which made it which made it better. It, it made it it sold Paul Heyman more than anything else. That that little moment, the little nuances where it was like Paul Heyman's working all these different angles behind the scenes. Even his own people don't know what the hell's going on. And so as Kurt slowly approached the ring again, and the Big Show's sitting there waving him in, going, "Come on, man, I'm on your team now." It was like he was he was hesitant until he got into the ring, and then once he got in the ring. Jumped in his arms, big celebration. Two of the biggest stars in WWE chanting ECW into the camera, just how every ECW yeah. fan wanted it. <laughs> yep, yeah. and, and I actually have that in my notes as nothing screams more ECW than the Big Show and Kurt Angle yelling ECW until they're both ready to pass out. Well, okay, so Kurt Angle, that was one of the funnier. That was another one of the funnier points of the show. The Big Show sitting there very softly whispering into Kurt's ear. Nobody's going to beat us, man. Who can beat us now? And Kurt's just literally using every ounce of, a, of oxygen for, and taking it from his own body. Just, yeah, he's like screaming. And I'm just like, I'm watching it and I'm watching his eyes bulge and the sweat just spit off of his face. And I'm like, he's going to pass out. <laughs> like, like you know, I don't. I I didn't even want to try to imitate it right here for fear that I would pass out and have no one around to call nine one one. Yeah, that would not be. I'm no. falling and I can't get up Teddy Long. No, no. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, this this show took a dark turn. Mike's dead. <laughs> <laughs> on on the series finale of two guys watching wrestling. Done. Went out with a bang. Uh, yeah. So. ECW wins the Battle Royal. What did they win? I don't know. Brand Supremacy? Brand Supremacy, yeah. yeah cool. 
<laughs> that was like halfway through the show, the match. I'm like, oh, this isn't really for anything. This is just bragging rights, basically, which was also a bad pay-per-view at one point. They should make a pay-per-view called Brand Supremacy. You, you, you joke. I wouldn't be surprised if that name has been crossed off a table once or twice, especially when they're doing those, the drafts and all that shit. And, you know, every, every time they, they try to do a draft or what's now, I think, are they back to draft or are they still on Superstar Shakeup? Uh, what week is this? I don't know. Draft is so much better. Like the last one they did, not, not, I'm sorry, not the last one, but the one before the last one where, uh, it was like they finally kind of got it right, and they treated it like. Um, and I and I know I've said before this isn't a sport, this is TV. But they were tr- they were making it interesting. They were making the sport aspect of it interesting, where uh, they were doing the, the the regular old WWE draft shit on TV. But if you went to the network, it was kind of like a, a pro sports draft, where you know if yep. you went, if you were online during the NFL draft, it's like they get the main show on TV. And then if you're watch, following online, you know, at the time, Renee Young was in the studio and she was like, OK, and now this has been this guy's been traded to this show. And this is like, I'm like, OK, you finally figured this out. And then I think it was like the next round, the next year they did the superstar shakeup and stopped all the silliness, basically. I like the silliness. It what, it, it, it what made it tough when they did that is Monday Night Raw would have the IC title. Five minutes into the show, the U- U.S. title holder would show up and be like, I'm on Raw now. So you just know already that the IC title is shipping over to the other show. Well, that was what I also remember from that was um, they didn't they, they told like the top like five or six guys what they were doing, uh, but they didn't tell the entire roster where they were going, who was where they were being drafted. Um, it's in one of the, I think it's in one of AJ Styles' documentaries on a network where he got drafted to one show and Gallows and Anderson got drafted to the other show. None of them knew. And like, he showed up, he's like, Hey man, I'm going to SmackDown. Like, yeah, we're going to raw. And he's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like he was legit pissed off because they were, they were traveling together. Um, Cesaro had a a classic promo from that episode where he was basically like, yeah, I didn't really want to go over to raw, but okay, I guess that's what I'm doing now. Uh, so sometimes that shit backfires on them. <laughs> yeah, especially when you try to have sc- scripted promos and then you're immediately saying, okay, we're doing this draft and it's unscripted. It, it's it, it's good keeping the wrestlers on their toes and whatnot, but like, the, what was the one with uh, Kalisto? That, that, that uh, infamous botched uh, interview when he was talking about going to Raw and he was on SmackDown. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah so, so they... they... They fucked that up. Maybe on a future series, we'll we'll do the the drafts. <laughs> Why would we do that? Yes. Do that. Uh, next up on the WWE versus ECW head to head, we got Edge with Lita and Mick Foley versus Tommy Dreamer with Terry Funk. And I liked this angle. I, I remember yeah. them doing this, uh, and and what it was. Well, it was great because people forget. People look at McFoley as the hardcore guy, and he was from ECW. But his character in ECW was this, and I love that they played into that because the character McFoley did in the original ECW was anti-hardcore. This was back in the where the the famous ECW fan, fan brought the sign Kane Dewey, 
you know, which hashtag Kane Dewey. Uh, you know, yes, so bring bring it back, old school. Bring it back. I mean, Dewey's a I think he's a writer now for WWE, um, or at least he was a producer or something for a while. And uh, I love that they did that, you know. And they they brought back the hardcore title where him and Edge were the co-holders of the hardcore title, despite not defending it ever. It's just you know, it was just a thing that they did to you know rub it in the faces again of people, the hardcore fans. Um, yeah, and we got Lita. And and Lita oh, and Edge, yeah. still, Lita. Lita, Lita and Edge still doing their thing. And every time Lita calls Edge Beb, it makes me fucking cringe. <laughs> <laughs> Beb, I'm like oh, just stop it. That that's uh, yeah. So some people can some people can get away with the babe thing. She 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 could not. It was a weird. Her accent made it weird. <laughs> I I loved her in this time and and the pairing of her and Edge like they were they were, they were two s- of the worst people ever but the, but it, you could feel it off the screen like the heat yeah. and the energy like it was it was tasteful yeah. by design they were they were two of the worst people ever they were brilliant at making everyone hate them uh actually uh one of, actually I think the newest episode of Untold is happens just takes place just after uh, ECW One Night Stand, and it's between Edge and John Cena, and their 2006, I think, into 2007 run, uh, including Edge and Lita going to West Newbury and beating up John Cena Sr. Yep, in his uh, living room. Yep, and, and it's great. And, and Edge talks about he's like, my goal was to make zero people in attendance like me. As I just said, the two of them were two of the worst people on the planet. Like you just could not like them. Uh, and and bringing Mick Foley in, uh, it's it's one of those. This was one of the shows that reminded you how good Mick Foley was at certain parts of this, at certain parts of this thing called pro wrestling, um, because the, the match is what it is. You know, it, it's Edge and Tommy Dreamer. It's it's a six and a half minute match. Uh, it involves Terry Funk uh, and Lita and a great great pin, which I believe gets repeated on the One Night Stand show. Uh, but we'll get yes. to that with Lita sitting on Tommy Dreamer and Edge pinning him. Uh, yes, right on his face. As, as I think JR was the one that called it. He's like, he's sitting right on his face. It's like, well, that's something you don't hear every day. She's, <laughs> 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 she's, my God, married man. <laughs> but, uh, but after, so they, so the, the, there's a whole schmoz and a brawl and it, it gets violent. Uh, you know, there's, Terry Funk and, and Mick Foley get some barbed wire involved. Um, and, stiff punches. Stiff punching. And again, knowing, knowing these guys, it's by design. Uh, and Mick is really good at this type of character. And you know full well, he, he told Terry Funk, I need you to punch me in the eye as hard as you can and please draw blood. Because when we come back from commercial and I'm sitting alone in the ring with a spotlight, if I don't have a black eye, I'm going to be really pissed at you. And sure enough, we go to commercial, we come back from commercial, and it's Mick Foley sitting in a chair in the middle of the ring with a spotlight on him and that big egg under his eye and his eyebrow trickling blood down his cheek and... He cuts an amazing promo 
that again plays into his original ECW character of the anti-hardcore thing and how against the 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 violent bullshit that ECW was he is and sitting there with him soft spoken to start with that big egg under his eye it's like yeah like that's 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 the stuff that I'm like you know you can you can jump off a million fucking cages and all due respect but that's the shit that I'm like yeah that's why Mick Foley's a goddamn icon because he can bring you into that story instantly yep and that's an art nowadays that wrestling doesn't have give me the promo to sell me the show and this wasn't even the main event but that promo made you want to order the pay-per-view and he was the best at it and it's an unfortunate lost art nowadays because i think stuff is now too scripted for them that there's no true emotion you felt it from him it's one of those things to to speak to current day uh pro wrestling it's one of those things that you know it's why uh, a paul Heyman promo is so unique because you can tell he's literally speaking from his own brain whereas most of the guys on the show you can tell that they're reading lines that were that were written for them you know it, it there's there's distinct differences. I was going to say there's a subtle difference, but it's a very distinct difference. Um, you know where the 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 old bullet bullet point way of promos, which is what Austin would always call them. We had bullet points, and you know, tell me tell me where you need me to get to, and I'll get you there, and I'll do a great promo doing it. Um, that's the way Paul Heyman still cuts a promo. That's why when he has the microphone and you're watching TV, it's like. God damn, why is he so much better than the rest of the show? Oh, that because he's writing his own shit. Got it. Um, so yeah, uh, that'll bring us to our main event of this WWE versus ECW head-to-head special. Uh, For brand supremacy. Sure. <laughs> By the pay-per-view. Um, okay. <sighs> I'm reading this, and I'm I'm reading my, my notes here, and it's a little confusing. So we got John Cena versus Sabu, who they have been selling as the most dangerous guy in the world. Like, the amount of um, ball juggling that they've been doing for Sabu on the two-hour show that they've had here today is incredible, being that, like, it's, like, I look at it like, it's Sabu. You know what I mean? <laughs> It's like, this isn't a guy that you would think they would dedicate a two-hour WWE broadcast to getting over. But damn it, they were doing it. Um, It says that John Cena defeated Sabu by disqualification in an Extreme Rules match. That doesn't make sense to me. Am I reading that wrong? Uh, No, because it happened. But it's an Extreme Rules match. No, 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 but it's it's a DQ. How? Because it's Extreme Rules. Does it make sense now? Oh. Oh. Because it doesn't. This is so stupid. And and this is not the only match that this happens to. It's not the only Sabu match this happens to. How how can you be extreme, but interference stops a match? Look, Using a weapon in one of these extreme matches is a disqualification. Because it wasn't a fucking legal weapon. It was like a chair match. And someone used a cane and he gets disqualified. So, so here's the thing. Like, I understand that in this new version of ECW, they have mat, you know, matches with rules, 
uh, and you can get disqualified. But this is an extreme rules match, which to my recollection meant anything goes and you can't get disqualified. But Sabu did. Well, it's an extreme rules match. Oh, now I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Um, I liked this Eric John Cena as well. I, I thought it was one of, one of his better runs. Um, I didn't like, of course, all the, you know, overtly, you know, oorah, marine shit, but I get it. He had made the movie and it is what it is. Um, but most of it, most of his other stuff the, that he was doing, especially uh, after the ECW, when he starts running, uh, running with Edge and doing their, their shit, it's like, that was, that was great. Like he, he was, he was solid. And going into One Night Stand, John Cena sold it perfectly. Like, yep. it, it was, it was um, I want to say, it wasn't on this show, so it must have been like a week before on either a Raw or a SmackDown, where, um, where he, it was a contract signing for One Night Stand. And I think they re- recapped it right before this Sabu match. And, uh, and he's, like, he's trying to be like, I was an ECW fan growing up, and blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, everybody came in and, you know, jumped him and shit like that. And it made him, you know, not, not that, and it's, it's weird because it's like, now in 2020, it's like you don't need to make John Cena look strong, but you know it was 2006. It was you know 14 years ago, um, and they really made him look strong, despite the fact he got his ass whipped in that beatdown. It took eight ECW guys with chairs and st- and kendo sticks to beat him down. You know what I mean? Yeah, because he was the he was the real face of the company of at that it. point in time. And they really wanted to make give him that era of invincibility. Right. This this is where that Super Cena shit really started, uh, or or really kind of hit. Yeah. Us, you know. Yeah. Oh Start, it started there because as you watch the um, the stuff with him and Edge, I mean, how many tables does this guy go through before he does not get up? And it just it really spiraled out of that the next handful of years where multiple finishers are hit on him, kicks right. out the Super Cena shit. Yeah. This was this was post rapper, but not far from the rapper gimmick. Um, to the best of my knowledge. Yep, yep. This was um, the rapper stuff ended in oh four oh five. So this was about a year and a half removed from that. Gotcha. Perfect. Uh, and and again, like I said, they they made Sabu out to be like the biggest thing ECW has. Um, and it's it's interesting to me because of what happens at the pay per view. Like it's a, in the way they're selling him, and I and I know that shit goes sideways because him and Van Dam get arrested. Uh, so whatever they were planning with Sabu doesn't come to fruition. But it is coming across like Sabu was going to be one of the bigger deals on the new ECW show. Yep. Agreed. And uh, even on other, you know, things you can read, listen to, whatever, it has been talked about that Vince very much had a thing for Sabu. Which is bizarre to me. Hearing that is just bizarre because he never worked for the company. And and I don't I don't don't mean like he, he never worked for the company. Why would Vince know? You know, why would Vince care? But like if Vince was really high on him, why didn't he work for the company ever? Like oh, there was multiple multiple chances in the late nineties for him to sign him. Sure, but didn't. <laughs> yeah. 
again, it's it, it, curiosity, and it, it could have just, you know, maybe he didn't want to. You know, maybe it was one of those things. He didn't want to work for WWE. Stranger shit has happened. Uh, but that that's, that's interesting to me. Uh, but you can definitely tell, especially the way the entire two-hour broadcast, they're really, really pushing Sabu. Oh, yeah. They had a... He had a video package of of his himself earlier in the show, introducing the crowd to him, introducing the TV audience to him. So yeah, no one no one else had that. Rob Van Dam's main event in your pay per view, and he didn't have a thirty second, forty five second. Granted, he had a match earlier in the show, but and he had been in the company for years. Yeah, it was it was just very uh, very interesting. Um. Yeah. So that's uh, that's ECW versus WWE head to head from 2006 june 7th 2006 and that will do our first episode in our new series here on two guys watching wrestling uh episode one in the books for wwe ecw uh coming up next week as we've mentioned many times one night stand 2006 held from the hammerstein ballroom in 2000 june 11th 2006 um i'm predicting a an okay i think our moods will still be okay after that i i from what i remember i haven't watched it in a a few years but i remember really enjoying that show uh with a few of course glaring misses um but yeah rich thoughts on ecw i I i i um entertaining show but you know some of those small nuances of new breed unleashed being forced down our throat the the four, the fatal four-way on commentary uh, for most of the show. Some of the insults were, you know, fun and entertaining, but it really lessened my likingness of of the show. Just it was a it was an unnecessary distraction. But overall, in work wise, what a hot start! Like that Mysterio yeah. RVD match set the tone. So I'm hopeful we're going to get some good in-ring uh, matches. But uh, the insulary stuff that's going to be coming up is going to be. Uh, could be hard to hard, hard to stand. Well, keep your hopes high, and please, please, if you're listening, uh, tell your friends. We are available on any and all podcasting apps. Your favorite podcasting apps is where you can find two guys watching wrestling. That includes uh, Amazon Music, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, all of them. Literally all of them. I, I don't think there's MySpace. a sing- my MySpace. Uh, I don't think there's a single podcasting app that we are not available on. And if there is, please let us know, and we will get it on there. Uh, Rich, give the Twitter a plug. It is uh, at Two Guys WrestlePod at Two Guys WrestlePod. Uh, Facebook page will be launching, and probably by the time this episode launches, um, we're gonna have a Facebook page, and we're definitely gonna try and be interactive with our listeners, and we definitely want your feedback. Download, rate, subscribe, get us that hashtag. Blue Chew Money. Please do, please do. And we'll see you back here next week for ECW One Night Stand 2006 on Two Guys Watching Wrestling. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. 
So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Total Wine & More is a wonderland to explore. Thousands of wines and spirits, unexpected pairings and great gifts, low prices and helpful guides. Make the holidays magical at Total Wine & More. Drink responsibly, be 21.